Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I don't like the way you treat women and talk about women. Wake up. Bobblehead. You call me little girl. Well, it feels like you two must be talking a lot of shit about me. Shut the up. Oh, you want me to shut the up? Do you have a new button? No, I don't. I'm on play. Welcome back to another episode of Everyone's Business with Mine with me, Kara Berry, our pop culture roundup and Jersey Shore and and just like that recap for the week. Um, wow, what a blessing we have knowing that Tory Lanez is going to be in prison for the next 10 years. Oops. <laughs> oh, man. What a clown. What an absolute clown. Um, I guess should our can I be a hell yeah be to the fact that Tory Lanez is going to be in prison? Yeah, I, I think we should. I think we absolutely should. So, like, fuck you. And do we want to get into a couple of the celebrities, and I'm using extreme air quotes with that, who uh, wrote out in defense or support of this very tiny Canadian man? We'll start off with um, first things first. I'm, I have a black scent, even though I'm from Australia. It's Iggy Azalea who wrote and then had to like kind of retract whatever. Shout out to Megan Kuniff. She is a reporter. She uh, covered the, the trial and she just like let all this shit out, all the letters of support, all of the things. And God bless her for it. She she really did that. So the, maybe the, can I get a hell yes for Megan the Stallion? And Megan, the reporter, Megan Kuniff. Um, so <laughs> starting with Iggy's letter, that's not even your name. She starts off by saying, my name is Iggy Azalea and I've been a successful musician for the last decade. I've sold over, uh, over not 100, over 65 million records throughout my career. I had number one hits on the Billboard Hot 100 and broken records previously held by the Beatles. Oh, great. My music has been nominated, not one, for six Grammys and I have a multitude of other musical awards blah 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 I've written with I've worked with Beyonce and Pitbull because those people need to be in the same sentence but anyway um she basically goes on to say that like you know any lean any leniency that you may afford him would be something that you could be proud of I deeply appreciate the person he is and I've never witnessed him lose temper or raise his voice at a woman. He's always been incredibly respectful to me, and I refuse to believe that he would do anything in malice, especially to a woman. And then she also describes herself as a victim abuse of herself. This is a three-page letter she wrote in his support. 
Then she says, I must make note of the things I've suffered through so that you understand definitively, I would not write you on the behalf, on behalf of an abuser. And here's like the thing that I think so many people get caught up in is it's like, he was nice to me. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, most people are not like evil to everyone. Uh, especially if it benefits them, if you're working with them in a business capacity, I mean, why he, whatever, but like, girl, this is shaky, murky, murky not good. So people like dug into her fake ass. And so she had to write on Instagram for the record. I have not been in touch with Tori for months, even though she said that she kept in close contact with him while he's been incarcerated. She says, I have no reason to be, but I do wish him well, even though in this letter she says, uh, well, <laughs> go to number two. I don't quote unquote support anyone. The whole thing is full of oddities. My love letter never mentioned anything in regard to what happened that night which okay fair enough but like who did you think this was what did you think this was for what did you think this letter was for which leads us to number three i was told this was for a judge only yet it's being discussed in public i never intended to publicly comment well <laughs> that sounds a little shady um then she says i'm not in support of throwing away anyone's life if we can give reasonable punishments that are rehabilitative instead i support prison reform period and that would be perfectly reasonable if this person ever once admitted some any sort of contrition or um uh, you know uh intent towards being apologetic or even telling the truth because he went into that court with the his uh excuse if you want to call it that being i didn't shoot her but if i did it's because i have a drinking problem and some emotional issues oh okay so then we go to number five in Iggy's tweet, I was asked to write about my genuine experience and the type of punishment I think he deserves, and I did. It's not really that interesting, but I understand why it's being sensationalized. Uh, see you next week to discuss pizza toppings, I suppose. LOL. Ha ha ha. That's funny, bitch. So let's go back to you saying you don't support anybody when you literally say... In fact, in your letter, I already hired him for the job prior to his conviction. She says, I would employ him without hesitation as an executive producer on my next album. Should he be, should he not be deported to Canada after he serves his album or serves his sentence? So she says, I, I will let him be the executive producer. And um, I've already hired, I think she said she already hired like six of his people to like help him out in the meantime. Mario also wrote his letter and they dropped his address, but I, it's been uh, redacted since then. But anyway, he goes on to say, my name is Mario Barrett and I'm a recording artist and businessman. I have good friends with Tory Lanez and have known Tory for over seven years. We met multiple times during his rise to stardom. He had humble beginnings just like me and we share the same passion for music and art. One of the things that I love about Tory the most is how deeply he cares about his family. Over the years, we've talked about family a great deal. Growing up without a father, I admired that he was fortunate enough to grow up with him. Is. These conversations revealed how much of a stand-up person Tori is. I do not doubt that he will give uh, his last for those closest to him. He's passionate about life, responsibility, and helping others realize their potential. The end of the letter says, The situation at hand comes as a surprise for so many of us who know Tori personally. I have never seen Tori act out of character in a manner to hurt somebody. We've spoken on the phone many times and prayed with each other. All I can ask and pray for is that he and his son are treated fairly. 
So he's a loser. And you know, frankly, I already, I always preferred Mario Winans over him anyway. So bye. But here's the real kicker, you guys. This is the letter that really got me. Now, there are over 70 people who wrote letters in support of Tori uh, for this case. And one of them is a doctor who treated Tori for his baldness, requesting leniency. So he wrote on July 20th of this year, your honor, I hope this letter finds you well. My name is Dr. Craig Ziering. I'm the medical doctor and owner of Ziering Medical, a medical practice that I started in April of 2003. We are pioneers in the hair restoration for men and women, specializing in patients of African-American descent. We educate and treat hundreds of thousands of people suffering with hair loss. I came into contact with Mr. Daystar Peterson, that's Tori's real name, when he came into my practice for a consultation in 2018 regarding his own hair loss. Daystar and I have become very close over the years. We've discussed his situation and how troubling it is. Since that time, he has helped countless numbers of people suffering from hair loss by sharing his journey publicly via print, social media, online, radio, and podcasts with his own time, money, and resources. Daystar had a particular focus on the African-American community with medical issues that are particularly troubling to them. It's clear that both to both of us that this community has not had all the access and information that it needs and deserves, and Daystar and I have plans together to open outreach clinics and pharmacies in underserved African-American communities to, pro to promote affordable health care and awareness. I'm writing this letter in hopes that your honor will consider leniency in sentencing and will allow Daystar to carry on providing his personal and financial assistance to this valuable mission. And I understand that his charges are serious, but knowing Daystar, I'm sure he will never put himself in the situation that he's in again. <laughs> I, I'm really sure he's not going to shoot in a woman in the foot again. Like, I feel pretty strongly about that. So, bye. <laughs> and, like, fair enough. If you want to help uh, African Americans in underserved communities, you can absolutely can and should do that. Do you need Tory Lanez to do this? No, I, I really don't think so. And finally, I just have to get into Tory's statement. Just... It starts off with to the umbrellas. And I guess we're supposed to believe that that is Tory Lane's stan fan name, the umbrellas. <laughs> Sweetie, you got 10 years to come up with a better name. So good luck with that. Bye. Next, let's get into some Housewives news, shall we? So interestingly enough, there was an article. Now, if you guys don't know this, years ago, Katy Perry got into it trying to buy, um, a convent back in I think like 2014 or something like that so she tried to buy this convent in LA and she had two nuns two former residents who rejected her as a potential buyer there were two elderly nuns that were just like they didn't didn't want her to have any part of this place and in the midst of that legal battle, one of those, I didn't mean to laugh, one of those uh, nuns passed away. Um, this was in 2018. And then the other nun is like, that bitch Katy Perry's got blood on her hands because of it. Well, she might have struck again because it turns out that she is in yet another battle that has been going on for three years, unbeknownst to us, but it has been with uh, over a house in Santa Barbara, she and Orlando Bloom. They're not married yet, are they? I think they might still be engaged. But anyway, they have been in this three-year battle with an 83-year-old veteran over a $15 million Santa Barbara home. And so Daily Mail was the one who dropped this article, said that back in July of 2020, Carl Westcott, 
signed a real estate contract to sell his home to the singer, claiming that he was under the influence of opioids and painkillers following major back surgery. Now, last name, Westcott. And then I'm looking over at this picture of this elderly man, and I'm thinking, who is that blonde lady? And it's none other than Real Housewives of Dallas's Cameron Westcott. So this lawsuit claims that Carl was like under the effects of painkillers when he uh, put a, signed the contract to sell his home. When the painkillers wore off, when the dolls wore off a few days later, he apparently suffers from Huntington's disease, realized what he did and wanted to rescind the contract. But the agents of Katie and Orlando were like, no, we're not going to do we're not going to rescind it and we're actually going to sue you if you don't proceed with the sale. So now this trial is set for later in August, later this month. And yeah, according to Carl Westcott's people, he said he never even listed the property or spoke to a broker about putting the home on the market and that he had purchased a home in May of 2020 and moved in two months prior to the sale of to Katy Perry's sale. Like he had just been living there for two months and then the sale went through, right? He said he was planning on living there uh, for the rest of his life because he's 83. Um, so then he is, he goes to the hospital. He has to do a back surgery in July of 2020. And then upon discharge from the hospital, Mr. Westcott was prescribed two opiates in a pill form that he was taking and continuing to take over the pain, which he prescribed he took as prescribed several times a day. The combination of his age, frailty from his back condition and recent surgery, and the opiates he was taking several times a day rendered Mr. Westcott of unsound mind. Three days later, uh, the rep for Katie in Orlando presented Westcott with the written offer, which was more money than he paid for the home back like two months prior in May of 2020. So they said he signed the document the next day but his lawyers are arguing that he was under uh, unable to like understand the nature of his actions and that when he became mentally clear again he realized the weight of his signature and was like oh i want to take it back so he reaches out to the agent who is supposed to be handling both katie and mr westcott and said he explained that like yo i was high like i didn't want to do this and then two days later he gets a letter from a lawyer the letter stated in sum and substance that the lawyer representing not only their rep but also orlando and katie perry uh advised the Mr. Westcott that they're not willing to walk away from purchasing the home and he's obligated to complete the sale. And yeah, the, his lawyers are saying that because of his mental state, he was, uh, it, this should be avoidable situation. So this has been three years now. I mean, the man is like complete, continued to decline. He is bedridden. They say that he is because of his disease is like permanently mentally incapacitated. So what's happening is that the family is now trying to like fight for control over the estate, which is worth a reported $15 million and then like move on from there with, uh, the house stuff. So Katie, I don't know this, like, I, I really feel probably very strongly that like Katie and Orlando probably didn't know the intimate details of this or anything of that nature, but excuse me. Um, I feel like it's been three years now and you got to figure it out. And 
it's icky. It's icky. This is now like the second time that she has been in a, like a bad situation with a home. And I just feel like that's bad juju, babe. Like who wants to walk into a home that like a nun died because y'all were like legally in fisticuffs for years. And now here's this old man, you know, like far be it for me to like defend an old rich white man, but you know, here we are. So for those of you who were looking forward to the Gwyneth Paltrow or, or who, who enjoyed the Gwyneth Paltrow ski trial, hopefully this will be giving the same thing. I'm wondering if Orlando or Katie will have to take the stand, but only time will tell. All right, moving on to some Bethany news. So I'm sure a lot of you guys heard this story of Carol being on some podcasts and saying that revealing rather that the person who gave Bethany the photo of Tom at the Regency was none other than Trump advisor slash Trump enemy um, Michael Cohen. Allegedly, so if you guys don't know, Dennis, who was uh, Bethany's then boyfriend, was living at Trump Tower. Obviously, I think Michael Cohen was too at that time, but they were basically buddies and yeah, he gives, he takes the picture, gives it to Dennis. Dennis gives it to Bethany, according to, uh, Carol and, you know, history is made. Now, initially I wasn't going to talk about this because I felt like probably y'all have heard this 75,000 times, but the interesting thing is that Bethany posted and deleted a video on TikTok, which like, let that sink in. If you guys have any idea of what Bethany Frankel's TikTok behavior is like, the fact that she would delete something is actually very shocking and where I have questions. So she said in this uh, video that it was stupid. She goes, only because I love you and because many of you have asked me in the comments, will I comment on something so insignificant and so stupid? And that is, no, Michael Cohen did not take the photo at the Regency of Tom. And I also think it's like funny that she's like, oh, yeah. first of all, nobody's clamoring for like 85% of the content that Bethany puts out on social media. So for her to be like, only because you guys are asking, will I address this? It's like, girl, you stay wanting to every every 14 hours on page six, are you addressing something that has nothing to do with you? So for you to be like, I'm only going to talk about this thing now, because so many of you like, girl, okay, okay, girl. But anyway, she says that it was a woman. And I to be fair to her, I do remember her saying, at the time that it was a woman who sent her that but she says it was a woman that sent it to me and she's actually texting me right now on this very phone and then she said that that woman sent her the original text and photo from back in like 2016 right and it had the photo of it and underneath it it said maybe you should take maybe you should make different new year's plans and bethany's like i don't even know what that means but of course you know the girls who get it get it like we know that tom and and uh, lou got married on uh you know, New Year's Eve, right? And then the next New Year's was clankety clank. Uh, so anyway, um, I think it's like very interesting that she would have deleted that of all of the things. And it makes me almost wonder, like, not even almost wonder why, why, why that? Why would you delete that? I find that very, very interesting. Carol, if you guys don't know on social media is really having like a Radzwill azance, if you will, of people being like, oh, now that we are really seeing <laughs> Bethany just like scream about Meghan Markle and that dirty 
bathrobe and put like Nick's eyeliner on and talk about how much it's better than Chanel or, uh, you know, ranting and raving because she got screwed over at TJ Maxx or whatever. Like it, it just, hmm. people are being like, you know what? The things that Carol are saying or what she did say about her are all true. Like about her being a narcissist about her, um, you know, like wanting to spin things to her favor. And if she doesn't like it, then she freaks out. Like very interesting, very, very interesting. But here's the thing where, you know, I think Bethany is coming off even more wonky with this, uh, Bravo lawsuit. She is ranking up. I think she may have bit off a little bit too much than she could chew. So if y'all know the, Bethany, you know, Bethany hired these lawyers, right? These high power, high powered LA lawyers. And then this thing comes out, the statement to NBC Universal saying, we need all this information. You guys have subjected your reality stars to abuse, to uh, revenge porn, plying them with alcohol, things of that nature, right? And that they were saying that there were like 80 people that they had spoken to in the Bravo universe, in the reality TV universe that were uh, supporting this movement, right? So Bethany on some post tagged a bunch of reality stars, which would make you think that like those were the ones because everybody's been wondering who are these because they said it was like current active talent of NBC Universal that were supportive of this movement. So when Breath Bethany tags a bunch of people, they're thinking, oh, here's some of the people who might be in on this case. So the people that she tagged were Tom Sandoval, Saucy, Hannah Burner, Paige, um, people from Real Housewives, Love is Blind, Below Deck, Vanderpump, Wow, <laughs> people from The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. And so Page Six reached out to everybody who was tagged. So there were only some exceptions. And with, with the exceptions of those few people, they either, Page Six either did not receive a response or were told no comment. Uh, they also reached out to Bethany, who didn't, who declined to be interviewed through her publicist. But <laughs> I thought this was funny. A source close to Page maintained that she has not spoken to Frankel about this and that she untagged herself from all of those posts that <laughs> Bethany tagged her. <laughs> one person or one of the people who did speak out, speak out rather, is uh, Wow my girl from Jersey Shore. And she says, I love Bethany and I think she's an absolute force. We haven't spoken about this specific topic, but I understand her passion. <laughs> and then she went on to say something like, you know, everybody has different experiences, etc., which is, you know, fair. Like they're on completely different networks doing completely different things. But it's giving like pathetic. Like I haven't spoken to her, but I, I hear her. I, I understand your passion for that. Dorinda, who I'm to be under the impression that she is like really the only one who has maintained friendships with both Bethany and Carol since all this has gone down, I think. Um, she spoke out to page six. So I think that's actually pretty interesting of Dorinda. Well, not when you hear what she said. She goes, my experience has been positive. I've been part of the network for nearly 10 years and I've loved getting my share, loved getting to share my journey with the viewers. Now, we all know that this chick is tap dancing to try to get back to Bravo. So, (laughs) 
and has been for a couple years now. So maybe that might be skewing her uh, opinion on the matter. But I, I do find that interesting that she did decline. You know, she could have just said decline. Um, Leah Black from Miami says, Bethany likes to be the hero, but she should be grateful. She made a ton of money and became very influential because of her association with Bravo. I can't even wrap my head around anyone being so ungrateful for the opportunity that they want to sue the person that gave it to them. (laughs) Damn. Um, And then Candy was actually asked about this a couple days ago, I think on Entertainment Tonight. And she basically was just like, I don't feel the need to be part of this. I I can't do a a direct quote, but basically it sounds like she was like, I've been taking care of my shit and checking people in the moment when I need to. And so I'm good. So anything, you know, like if if there's, if you feel like you're not having, can I speak? (laughs) If you feel like, uh, you know, the people are not treating you right, you got to address it in the moment. And girl, we know candy of all people, candy of 75 spinoffs is very well taken care of by Bravo. But I do think that's an interesting spin on it. All of this is quite interesting. I mean, first of all, we have to get into the fact that Bethany has not been part of NBC Universal or Bravo for quite some time and has made it very clear, you know, I mean, as she did the first time, but she's made it very clear that she, y'all have to give me a boatload of money to come back blah, blah, blah. I'm not coming back unless I'm given a whole bunch of money, this, that, and the third. And it's like, okay, well, I, I, I just wonder, let me make it clear. Like, obviously I feel like everybody should be paid fairly, compensated fairly, should be in a safe work environment where like things of this nature, uh, you know, in terms of like revenge porn and, and, and people being plied with substances or whatever, like everybody should feel safe and everybody should feel fairly uh compensated but i just don't know if bethany who benefited the most off of her time on bravo and also hasn't been on the network for quite some time and also you know for those of us who know it kind of seemed like bethany was sort of running shit over bravo during her tenure it it, i just don't know (laughs) If she is the person to be heralding this per se. But I think Jenny also made a really great point is y'all all have different production teams, different, you know, crews, different types of shows, different, you know, things of that nature. Like, whereas, you know, maybe on, I don't know, like Summer House or Vanderpump Rules, like, we're just looking at these dilated pupils and just, you know, moving on, right? <laughs> But then there are situations like last week's episode of Below Deck where there obviously needed to be some intervention. Or if we talk about, I don't like Orange County where Tamara is like trying to get uh, Gretchen naked wasted so she'll hook up with her own son. Like those are maybe things that we should talk about. But I'm very much looking forward to seeing how this all shakes down. I'm very curious to be like, why hasn't Andy said anything Have there been conversations between Bethany and Andy? What's going on? What's going on? But uh, we're going to get into these recaps, starting with Jersey Shore, ending with and just like that. However, this is not an ad, but I just wanted to let you guys know that my good friend Meredith is coming out with a podcast and it is called The Backup Plan. And I am like so excited for her. It actually 
premieres today. So I want you guys to check out the Backup Plan podcast, and I'm going to give you just a little elevator pitch tagline to uh, uh, amuse your boosh, if you will, wet your whistle, right? So the Backup Plan podcast is thousands of women joke about getting knocked up by their gay best friend when they get fed up with dating, right? So Meredith has decided to actually do this. So the podcast is going to detail how she's conceiving, her preparation for motherhood, her continued journey as a self-proclaimed goofball solo mom. I have, we've had personal conversations about her journey, so I'm so excited for you guys to hear what's going on with Meredith and the Backup Plan podcast. Like I said, check it out. And I'll even put the, uh, the link tree in the episode description. So yeah, check it out. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank me for speaking. We'll move on. Bye. I didn't do anything. I would tell you, listen, Cliff was there. It's very black and white right there. So, like, why do I have to say sorry? Why do I have to be in this predicament again? I'm not doing sit-downs for people when I didn't do anything. Oh, my God. Angelina can talk. I changed a lot from back in the day. Even though I'm still a crazy bitch, I will not. Back in the day, didn't I take a lot of people? I will not take their no more. Whoa, like, I hope these girls don't think that I'm your sidekick and you're bringing me into this drama to, like, side with you on your your guys' problems. Like, that is not something I want to be a part of. I have nothing to do with this. Little do they know. Like, All right, you guys, let's get into Jersey Shore. I... I'm like 98% sure I'm probably not going to recap it after this week, but I felt like I recapped the premiere. We got to talk about the episode where Sammy Sweetheart officially comes back. So let's get into it real quick before we talk about and just like that. So like I said last week, Angelina got into it at the reunion with Nicole, Dina, and Jenny. So they're now headed into a next the next season. But what I didn't realize is that they filmed that reunion like less than a week before they're about to go into this like uh fake Poconos house that Mike won on a sweepstakes. So this is like the emotions are really high. They haven't had like any time to cool down or anything like that, right? So then we have Sammy go talk to her mom about like coming back to the show. And these are the parts where I'm like, is this really that necessary? We're acting like Sammy pulled up to her mama's house with the cameras behind her and that they've had no conversation prior to this about the potential of her going back to the Jersey Shore. Girl, come on, come on. She decides to go because her mom's like, girl, you've, you're a different person now than you were last time. I think you're ready, even if Ron is there. So she ends up calling Angelina saying, I'm ready, bitch. So they end up riding up together. Vinny and Situation are also riding up together, but they're talking about how nervous they are about the trip because there's like a lot of resentment between all the girls, right? And asks Vinny, do you know any quotes about resentment? And so Vinny pulls out his phone. He says, you know, holding on to a grudge is like drinking poison and expecting your enemy to die. And Mike is like, right, love that. And also, if you get the rain, you should expect the mud. And Vinny's like, "Uh uh-huh, that has nothing to do with resentment, but sure, sure. So then Vinny and Mike call Angelina while Sammy's at the house, right? Because they're all about to leave. And Vinny starts off with the jokes. Yo, you know, just so you know, this is an OG trip. What, Lawrence isn't coming. Anybody of that nature. You can't bring in any of your fiancés, all right? So we also need to figure out this beef that's going on with the girls. Sammy's hearing them, this conversation over speakerphone, right? And this is the first time where she's like, 
I think that this fight that Angelina told me about was maybe like a little bit deeper than I expected. What did, what did I get myself into? What's really going on, girl? <laughs> then we find out that apparently Mike has some sort of addiction to scratch-offs, and he has a philosophy that the more he loses, the closer he is to victory, which is exactly how gambling addiction begins. He spends $950 on scratch-offs just on the car ride from New Jersey to the Poconos. Yikes. On the way, Sammy tells Angelina that what she misses the most from not doing the show anymore is all the good times that they all had together, you know, like when Angelina wasn't on the show and she took her uh, trash bag and left and how after the show, basically just, they just went their separate ways. Like, I don't, there doesn't have to be drama between people, but the way that like Sammy just is like, oh, you know, like we just went our separate ways or whatever. I, I don't know. I will feel like there's more to that story, but I'm going to give her that. You know, we'll, we'll just give it to her. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. As we all know, when it comes to everyone's business, I like to mention it all, but when it comes to mine, I like to keep things a little bit closer to the chest. But that method doesn't always work when it comes to your mental health, and we all need a way to purge and get it out. Therapy is a safe space to do that and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down by learning positive coping skills and all the tools you need to help you be the best version of yourself. BetterHelp is entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. So you can just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash everyone's business today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash everyone's business. So then they talk about how out of all of them, she and Dina were the closest until the uh, reboot. And she says, Sammy says, you know, Dina was hanging out with my ex. Obviously, I wanted to stay away from him. But like, even still, I was texting Dina. I was hitting her up. I found out that she moved. I was contacting her about that. And she would never respond to me. So I just figured maybe Dina's not the friend that I thought she was to me. So she also re-explains to Angelina like that she blocked Nicole everywhere because Nicole opened up a beach boutique on the boardwalk after she opened up a beach boutique on the boardwalk. But she really doesn't have that big of an issue with Nicole. So she's going to talk to her once they meet each other. 
And this is another thing that I'm not like entirely sure is true because later Snooki says that Nicole blocked not only her, but her shop and all of her employees on Instagram because she was so upset and Nicole had no idea why. So then Sammy says that the last time that they were all together was like six years ago at Diener's wedding and how she never spoke badly about the show or the cast. But then Jenny had just recently said something on a podcast and Angelina's just driving this car smiling. Just like the Grinch smile begins on her face and her ears start to curl up, right? Because she's happy. She's happy that she's not the only one who has beef with the chicks, specifically Jenny. And also she's like, She's like, I'm just so happy to have somebody listen to me. And like, same as kind of like Sweden. Like she has no, like, you know, loyalty to anybody. And it's like, Angelina, you're wild. You're wild. And you act wild and you've been acting wild. And okay, this is not going to turn out the way you think it is. So Sammy is like, okay, girl, what is really going on with you girls? What's the tea? So Angelina's like, well, you know, in New Orleans, Jenny was asking me all these wild questions about my engagement. And then I called her out on the shadiness, but then things got worse at the reunion. And I called Jenny out on her shit. And then Nicole's calling me crazy because she said, oh, Jenny didn't do that. And then all of a sudden, Dina's screeching at me. And, you know, I went nuts on them. I did. I did. And, you know, like, I'm crazy, but I'm not like I was, uh, uh, you know, back in the day. You remember me back in the day. Like, I would let people walk over all over me. But, like, I just don't do that anymore. <laughs> like, girl. Okay. So Sammy is shrinking. She is physically shrinking in, in this passenger seat. Like, oh. This is, like, really deep. I hope these girls don't think that. I'm her sidekick. Like, I'm not fighting any of her battles. This is not something that I want to be a part of. Have y'all ever been in a situation where you might meet somebody under the guise of, like, a common enemy? And you think that they're so cool and you guys are, like, kikiing and talking shit about that person. And then you realize, oh, I'm getting along with somebody who has fights with everybody like this was just kind of a one-off situation for me where I was like oh that person's weird but like oh this is like an like a recreational sport for you just like getting in arguments with people so uh-oh and I feel like that's what Sam is feeling now with Angelina so finally they get to the house and Sammy walks in and goes sorry I'm late everybody's jaws like dropped Jenny goes to hug her immediately Nicole is like <laughs> Is this real? And she starts crying. Dina starts crying immediately. <laughs> Mike says in a confessional, if Jenny's face could move, it, she would definitely be really shocked right now. <laughs> and I gotta say, maybe like give it up for Jenny because I really thought for a while there, her face, the things that she was allowing her uh, doctors to do to her face were really concerning me. But I feel like we've hit a good, we've, we've settled. Whatever's happened is settled and, and we feel good. I feel like this is a good spot for Jenny. So if you hear this, just maintain. Let's not do anything more drastic because we're in a real, this is a good face. I like it. But anyway, it, this is like the emotional moment that we all think it's going to be. And who is hating from the sidelines with a big ass glass of Chablis? Angelina rolling her eyes like, uh, saying it in the confessional, what the fuck? When I came back into the mix, everyone was not so inviting. I, you know, like, she didn't have to deal with what I dealt with, but, like, well, 
Well, I guess they want to save me back, so I'm the one who did it. Like, she is trying to find any sort of silver lining. <laughs> and I remember when she came back to the family reunion, everybody was like, oh, ugh, really? Like, Jenny was really like, what the fuck? <laughs> Angelina and James Kennedy have a lot in common in the sense that, like, they're kind of the outcast because they can't shut the fuck up and control themselves in their anger, right? But then you like start to feel a little sorry for them because I do feel like <clears throat> they, I feel like the cast probably treats Angelina like she deserves to a degree, which is like with not a whole lot of empathy, but like, like she never helps herself. But also like it is kind of sad to be like, Clearly nobody likes her and I don't think that really clicks with her and that in that way regard I do feel bad for her but I also like she's just like a caged animal she's constantly fighting and like maybe if you like would give her treats every like consistently and like rub her in the places, like pet her on the top of her head or something like just like in the safe spaces that maybe she would stop biting you, but like you just don't want to do that anymore because she's been biting you for 10 years now. <laughs> so Mike goes over to Jenny while everybody's like saying, hey, whatever, getting settled. And he whispers, what the fuck is going on? And she, Jenny, my Pisces birthday twin queen, goes, she, meaning Angelina, she needed an ally. Like, you you clocked it immediately, girl. So Sammy gets her little glass of red wine herself and says, you know, we need to talk about stuff because I'm getting tagged and stuff. And, you know, like, it feels like we have beef. Nicole, right? Nicole says, I don't have beef. You just blocked me. And Sammy goes, but you know why? You know why? And she goes, no, I really don't. So Sammy explains to her, you know, I just worked so hard trying to open up this beach boutique. And then here you come opening up one. And... Snooki's like, but it wasn't intentional. I have a franchise. This was her third store that she opened. So Snooki's like, I thought you, I thought women support women. <laughs> the Vinny's watching this, eating like some sort of air popped popcorn or whatever keto shit he eats. And he says in a confessional, wait, what? This is like first world problems fighting over a boutique. Like you're literally fighting over who sells seashells down the seashore. Like, what's going on? Oh, you have a beach boutique next to mine. Oh, you sell sandals? Well, I only sell them, not you. You can't have them, but you have an ocean theme. So, like, <laughs> this is weird. This is really weird. So, Sammy's trying to be like, well, you sell beach stuff at your beach boutique. And Snooki's trying to explain to her, like, no, we have all the same inventory for all the same stores, but... We do sell beach stuff at that store because it's on the beach. So Sammy goes, well, now that I know it was like a pretty petty move on my part to block you. And it's like, yeah, this was clearly a very simple conversation that could have been uh, figured out. But like, this is the other thing about Sammy, like as business owners, you gotta see it for what it is. It wasn't like they showed a picture. It didn't. It looks like it said the Snooky shop. It doesn't say like the beach shop by Snooky. It was just an extension of the other two locations that she had just happened to be on the shore. But Sammy really seems to think that like they were in one indirect competition with one another. And that too, what Nicole was doing was like actively put taking food off of her plate. And it's like, babe, first of all, no, 
that was not it cannot be the only boutique on the shore and I don't feel like if you're you're either a Snooki or a Sammy. Like, you, if you're going to Snooki's store, you're not like. I, I don't know. I just don't feel like there was any possibility that like anybody was gonna be like, well, Snooki has a beach shop, so why would I shop at Sammy's or vice versa? Like, that doesn't make sense to me. If anything, I think it would be an asset to her, kind of like Vanderpump Rules has like that whole block of her shit. Wouldn't you be more likely to be like, oh my God, Snooki and Sammy have a store like right here. I would, I'd be like, oh great. There's two stores that I now want to go to and not just the one. But anyway, they make up. Nicole cries again. And it's like, it's, it's fine that you block me. I don't care. Like, I just don't like fighting people that I truly love. And then they clink glasses really right in front of Angelina's face. And Angelina's like, God fucking damn it. <laughs> She's so pissed. Like, I would say... 70% of the show is highly manufactured, massaged, whatever you want to call it. But this shit with Angelina, like, she cannot help herself. This, I feel like most things on this show with Angelina, with regard to her anger and frustration, are 100% real. <laughs> like, to go from the joy of being like, oh, Sam's fighting with somebody, to them making up to be like, oh, you gotta be fucking kidding me. If it was me, I wouldn't have gotten the pass so quick. So then... Jenny says something to Sam like, oh, y'all must have been talking about us in the car or whatever. Like, sh she must have been giving you, like, y'all been talking shit, right? Or Angelina, at least. And Sam was like, no, like, it really wasn't that big deal. Like, she did tell me about your issues and I told her mine. But, like, no big deal, right? So Dina goes, but nobody has issues with you, with you, Sam. And Sam looks at her like, girl, yes, you do. So now Angelina's like, oh, sweet. Round two. Ding, ding, ding. Great. Great. So Sam calls Dina out about not texting her back about the house, about how are you doing, blah, blah, blah. And how she was basically just like, listen, if I text people, they don't respond. I'm not going to keep responding. I'm not going to chase anybody. Dina's response was just, I'm a bad texter. Like, I have to admit I'm really bad about that. But it's like, girl, you don't just like, oops, I forgot about this longstanding relationship that I had. Like, Fair enough. You guys don't have to talk every day, every week, every month. But also, if somebody's hitting you back repeatedly, and this is like your good friend, as we're led to believe, and you just like don't want to hit them back, eh, I don't know. So Dina says in a confessional, well, it was like four years ago and I don't really remember, but I just had a baby and, you know, I just feel terrible that Sammy thinks that she's a bad friend. Well, it's like, okay, well, you don't remember, but you remember what happened. And you remember that you had a kid around the same time. And you remember that you were a bad texter. So, you know, you know what I mean? But they hashed their shit out. And now Angelina's really tight. Like, if she didn't have lip fillers, her lips would have been pursed to thinness. She's pissed. So Sammy's like, okay, we got two out of three out here, right? I'm here for a good time, you guys. Like, I'm just, like, trying to set things straight with everybody. Jenny. So now Angelina's like really excited because she's like, okay, the meatballs never go up against Jenny because they're too afraid of her. And like, I'm not afraid of Jenny, but like, I just don't feel like going after her. Like, okay, <laughs> whatever you got to say, Angelina. So Sam calls her out for talking about uh, whatever on that podcast of Snooki's friend, right? We don't do bar school on this podcast, okay? Um, so Sam calls her out for saying on that podcast, like, oh, I don't want to talk about Sam. And Jenny says in a confessional, 
it, it sounds like what happened is that they were on a press day and she's like you know i've just been asked over and over and over when is sam coming back when is she coming back when is she coming back and i at that point like i had just gone off so sam was like well who cares about what tiktoks i comment on like what was the issue and jenny says in a confessional i've always loved sam but i just felt like she didn't want anything to do with the show but we are the show. So I kind of thought that Sam had an issue with us. So Sam tells Jenny, I hear you say that I don't want anything to do with the show, but who said that I felt that way? And then finally, she's like, the truth is I didn't want to be with a toxic ex, but nobody, none of y'all ever asked me that. And our relationship had recently ended and I just needed to get my shit together. To which Jenny says, that's very fair. And I apologize because I genuinely love you. And Sam says, thank you. That's like really sweet. So Angelina's like, <sighs> foiled again, just sighing in the corner. Like, oh my God, she's only been here 12 minutes. She's already made up with everybody. I'm fucked. So Polly shows up last. They decide to surprise Polly with Sam. So they're like trying to run around the house, figure out where should we hide her, right? They decide we're just going to do code word lasagna. We'll be in the kitchen just waiting casually. Sam just sit on the other end of the island. Just, just sit there and wait until, we're, until we say lasagna and you'll pop up, right? So Polly gets there. He's like the prank war champion, right? So they're like, oh, this is going to be the ultimate prank. He pulls up with a bullhorn and he, he's like peak annoying, right? Just like putting words in. You know how you do the bullhorn? You could like put a word in and then it'll just say it over and over and over. So they're trying to say the code word like, hey, Polly, thanks for coming. We have dinner ready. We have your favorite. What's your favorite? And he's just like, that's the sound of the police. Like he's not paying any attention to them at all. So they're like, uh, shut the fuck up, Polly. We have lasagna for you. <laughs> so finally, uh, Sammy pops up and he's like, what the fuck? Now everybody knows everything is all good, right? Angelina and Nicole end up like getting off to the side and having their conversation and Angelina thinks she's in the clear, right? So she's telling Nicole, like, I'm so glad Sam is back. I was worried about, like, the drama in the house because of the reunion. But, like, this is so positive And I'm glad this has happened. And you can see that the realization washes over Nicole. And she says in a confessional, everything was so cloudy with Sam. I kind of forgot about the reunion. So Nicole tells Angelina, you just don't have to be so aggressive all the time. Like at the reunion, you got the, got up and you were like, oh, I'm going to fuck Dina up. And Angelina's like, well, she raised her voice at me. So Nicole's like, but why do you always have to go for the jugular? Like you would say that you're the odd one out, but you're not. You just make up all these drama. Nobody's coming for you. Can we just stop? Like I, I'm, a, I'm over it. I'm done. So this leaves Angelina just like slack jawed. Trying to figure out how she can come up with another excuse for why she's the victim, even though she's an asshole all the time. So more on that later. We'll see. Hello. Hey, there he is. Oh, hi. hi okay. My favorite. Brady, what a surprise. Are you here to see Lily or, or Rock? Or Lily and Rock? Or um they're just they're both in the kitchen, so thanks. Yeah, I know my way around. <laughs> they are definitely doing it. There is no other reason he would ever agree to come to this thing with me. No offense. 
care for another? Doing what? We have been trying to keep you out of it, but we are afraid that Lily and Brady might be having sex. Wow, that's like hearing that two of my stuffed animals are having sex. All right, y'all, let's get into this week's episode of And Just Like That. Oh, Carrie and Aiden still in Loverville. Aiden is back in town telling Carrie, I made nice with the doorman downstairs. I also over tip people. He, the doorman's now giving me a salute. Like, we're having a great time. I'm chatty mcnice guy right but carrie's like girl you can't be chatty mcnice guy we're supposed to be laying low under the radar for chase sake right we're uh brad and janet remember remember those lies you told last week so then we find out that carrie just came back from virginia right she just met aiden's sons named tate homer and wyatt and actually, well, I'm not mad at Tate and Wyatt, honestly, but Wyatt seems to be continuing his legacy of the annoying children of and just like that because Aiden calls him because he says that Wyatt's got this weird thing about planes, right? So he calls him after his flight, but Wyatt says on the FaceTime, why are you calling me? He's like, well, I wanted to say that I'm okay. I'm at Carrie's apartment. He's like, I already know that I tracked the plane. And so he shows Carrie to Wyatt on the FaceTime and he's like, hi. Um, can you put me back on with my dad, please? And then, like, he's got all this attitude for no reason. Wyatt. Um, but, you know, Ada tells Carrie not to take it personally. So I'm, like, of two minds here. Is Wyatt kind of an asshole? Yeah. But also Carrie took it so personally. And not like a, oh my god, this really sucks that, you know, this my man's kids don't like me. But, like, like they were peers or something. And I'm like, girl, I mean, you've only met these kids for a week. And Aiden keeps having to tell her, you know, he's only 14, right? Like, it's a process. We'll be fine. So Aiden goes to take a shower, right? But then somebody starts bah, 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 banging on the door. So Aiden comes out. He is now in his little tidy whities And he's like, they're trying to figure out who's at the door, right? And Carrie's like, I told you, bro. Like, you couldn't lay low. This is a problem. So somebody flips something under the door, which is basically like, uh, you know, the tenant has exceeded the 30-day guest limit. So... Aiden, chatty, McNice guy got them kicked out of the building. So they're now in a pickle and Carrie's like, well, you know, we don't have to be in a pickle unless, you know, we can just go back to my place. And he's like, no, 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 immediately. No. So then we go to SEMA, right? This, can we find, I know that like SEMA is our de facto Samantha, right? She's older. She's got her career. She's driven. She meets all these men along the way and like has this unabashed, non-apologetic sex, right? Like I get it. Dripping sexiness. But like we're seeing that she's still tasked with uh, taking not Taika Waititi around, showing him places apartments that he's looking for right and then we get a cameo from none other than ryan serhant that is last name of i'm assuming million dollar listing new york because i see his name over a lot of buildings <laughs> so i don't like that show but you know i can put two and two together i can do that a homegirl was ready to act miss ryan okay Robbie is the name of this director, right? Of not Taika Waititi. And he's like always on the phone, like legit the lines that they have him saying to whoever he's doing business business with on the phone is like, uh, you can't have the motorcycle chase unless it's on the water. Like what? 
these are just like mad libs of, of things that douchey guys would say right so Seba, after he gets on off the phone rightfully calls him a cut rate steven spielberg and goes off about how like yo i've been showing you these great properties for the last three weeks you've been wasting my time being a little dickhead in this ascot and so he goes well here's a plot twist if i had found the per perfect property three weeks ago uh i wouldn't be having these wonderful afternoons with you I'm going to throw you right off of this private balcony with, with the Western views, okay? Because I'm not doing this with you. What are you talking about? You have been wasting my time, you know? And it's not like they've been having like a nice little kiki or whatever. He's just been on the phone doing business deal, deal or no deal on his phone, being a dickhead for weeks. It's like, it, this is how you show me that you like me, wasting my time, not giving me any money, and being on the phone like an asshole. Jail. Those are the three things that I are the least attractive uh, things. The very least you could be doing is giving me money. And you're not even doing that. I don't know how like real estate agents work. If you're like a high upper, like, upper echelon, A-list uh, real estate agent, are you getting like like lawyers do like you can just have somebody on retainer like are they on retainer for you so like okay maybe it's not such a waste of time that i'm showing this dickhead 17 houses because at the end of the day like i'm getting paid a flat fee for this you know for the search is that does that what happen i hope so do we need to have another strike let's talk about it like would that factor into the fees that are given to you at the end for sale it can't be because like what if you had never like ultimately sell it to I really gotta think about this you I need to organize you guys not that I'm a real estate agent but anyway um so then they like have this little tete-a-tete -tete, right like it's like Seema fucks him anyway despite there being zero evidence that she should and then he is like they finish fucking oh because Ryan is like oh I'm gonna go downstairs to show this other apartment so they have the perfect time to fuck and and Ravi is after doing like some postcoital smoking a damn cigar is, this, is somebody living in this home already and so Seaman's like rushing around like bro put your clothes on I've never done this, this is really unprofessional he's like eh, it's fine like whatever and she's like well what am I supposed to say he's like well tell it tell him I took the apartment and it's like okay well that's the only thing that you said that made sense but it's also extremely weird that you would just be like luxuriating in these other people's <laughs> smoking up smoking a cigar in my bed right off the private balcony anyway so Seema goes downstairs to meet with Ryan Serhant so he can finish his scene and she's like he's like oh why is your hair so messed up she's like oh you know something with the air conditioning or whatever he's like oh see <laughs> well we do what we have to do to close the deal and oh I hope that's the end of his acting career that's enough that's enough so then we have Miranda meeting up with Brady before he's going to be working a shift at Scout which is uh Steve's bar right and so she's like, you know, trying to push him to go to college or do something. Can we at least get you on a plane to Costa Rica so you can do some surfing and learn Spanish or something? And he's like, no, no, no. Like, stop pushing me. And so she, you know, goes on the speech about how you need to figure out your path. And he hits her with a, um, you didn't figure out your path until you were 56. So why don't you give me another 38 years, lady? Okay. So then she calls Charlotte. Because apparently Lily is highly, highly motivated and begs Charlotte, uh, please, I don't want my son uh, mastering the crinkle cut fry 
for his lifetime. Can you please get Lily to talk to him about going to college, right? You know, get him, rub, get some rubbing. What did she say? <laughs> I want Lily to rub off on him. And sounds like maybe she did later. But anyway, um, then we go over to Charlotte's children's hour where Harry's in a panic. Okay, we need to establish, did I miss something? Does Harry have a job? Is Harry retired from being a lawyer? Because why is he planning this event down to the caterers for Herbert's um, comptroller tour to, to vote giving? Like, what's happening here? <laughs> How did we get here? Anyway, Harry's all in a fuss because Charlotte's been working longer hours, like almost 7.30. And he's, uh, he literally says, what about her boss? What does he think he's doing? Um, taking my wife away, somebody else's wife away to do his bidding. <laughs> okay, it's giving, I'm your property. I would have checked his ass. Where was Rock to check his ass over that? Anyway, y'all want to want to talk about something. Let's talk about something real. <sighs> anyway, I, I do like this show. <laughs> So speaking of Herbert, not that I really want to, he walks into the closet to find Lisa passed out at her computer. And rather than being like, oh my God, are you okay? He's like, uh, you can't burn the candles at, at both ends, ma'am. And also, where's my dinner? Why are you asleep? And I'm hungry. <laughs> Crazy. Naya, we're back with Naya. Naya's decided to back get back on the horse. And I mean that sexually. Her first scene is her doing like pretty aggressive cowgirl the missionary looked nice I will say that I that was in the moment but I don't know there was a lot of coming Miranda's still living there so that kept her up and miserable I guess we find out that Nye has recently joined Tinder and she's loving it loving the freedom of like oh we don't have to do all these pleasantries I can just look at my phone after we have sex and we don't have to pretend like we're not that this is great and then you know Chase storyline continues as well I guess Yes, this is what we're doing. Some like really cool, but possibly too young for Che looking bald person named Toby comes to drop off a box of kittens that they found outside of their apartment. But right. And then it's like, oh, my God, does anybody ever tell you that you look like Che Diaz? Which Che is like, no. And she's like, well, do you know who that is? And Che's like, no, I don't. And they're like, wow, gosh, I just wonder what happened to Che. Me, I just wonder what happened to Jay Diaz. And Jay goes, well, I heard they work at a vet clinic in Hell's Kitchen. So that's how they get to flirting. And they're like, oh, my God. Well, um, are you coming up with another comedy concert anytime soon? He's like, yeah. Or Jay is like, yeah, yeah, I am. Definitely. So here's where we're coming up with another uh, set for Jay. Jay's getting back on the horse, you guys. Something that we all asked for. God, I hope the season ends with uh, Che doing another number, another Beach Boys number. Which one is it going to be this time? <laughs> Fingers crossed that Che ends up moving to Kokomo. And that's how we find out via song that they're moving. Anyway, um, is Kokomo a real place? I never looked it up. Anyway, um, so yeah, Che has found a new love in Toby. Amen. Um, so then... Carrie meets up with Che back at her apartment, right? And she tells Che, yo, uh, my man fucked everything up, as white men are to do with 
women of color, people of color, right? So, sorry, we can't live in your apartment anymore. And Shay's like, yeah, no problem, because somehow me getting like an hourly wage as a receptionist at a vet clinic is making it possible for me to like kind of afford to live in my luxury apartment that I could only afford when I had a deal. But now suddenly I'm like kind of okay now, but whatever. So Jay asks again, what was it that was so bad that Aiden doesn't even want to come into this apartment? And Carrie again is just like, well, a lot of stuff. We're just being vague again. And Che's like, well, how is that going to work then? And Carrie's like, mm, I don't know, girl. Um, so Sina then Ravi and Carrie and Aiden meet up for dinner, right? And Aiden freaks out because Ravi made a movie he and his sons love, blah, blah, blah. Sima and Carrie go to the bathroom, right? And Sima is telling Carrie, Ravi is so wrong for me. Like, I've been showing him these places for the last three weeks. And out of the corner of my eye, I'm looking on his phone and I'm seeing DMs from actresses all over the world, chicks on TikTok and doing a little dance. And like, I, this is just for sex. He's not husband material. To which Carrie says, well, why would you even consider him husband material? And that shut Seema's ass up, didn't it? So then Carrie tells Seema, girl, I had an epiphany. I need to give up my place. Like, but it's got to be worth it. It's got to be for something really special. And so, of course, Seema has the perfect apartment in mind. But she's like, you know, it's actually too big for you. But Carrie's like, no, no, no. Like, I'm with Aiden now. You know, let's, let's look into it, right? And then we have another Anthony and Giuseppe storyline. Because they've been on a bunch of dates now. And Giuseppe's like, why can't I come upstairs? Why can't I come inside? So Anthony... Anthony says, I'm shy and I like things to take things slowly. And Giuseppe goes, mm-hmm. It's one thing to be shy, but like five dates with no dick isn't really gay of you. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Is that true? I, I, no comment. So then he keeps calling him Tony, right? Giuseppe keeps calling him Tony. And I'm thinking... I swear to fuck, if this turns into a West Side Story reference, for no reason, I'm going to lose it. And before I could even finish that thought, Giuseppe's like, oh, you could be Tony and I'll be Maria. Why? Why? <laughs> I always say that I don't like Broadway, but the one thing that I love, I love the original West Side Story movie. I refuse to watch the new one. Like, what's an Ang Ansel Ang Elgort? Is that even how you pronounce it? I refuse. But that first one, oh, bitch. I want to be in America. 
But then Anthony keeps coming up with all these excuses, right? Like, you can't come in. My ex's name is still on the lease. We're in the middle of a divorce. The super is still spying on him, on me for him. Like, all these bullshit reasons, right? And uh, Giuseppe's like, BS. And so Anthony's like, well, I'm old school. See, I'm going to help this old lady into the apartment right now. And when he goes to help her, she's like, I'm Edie in the other apartment. You know me. I'm 56. I just stopped dyeing my hair. And then Anthony had egg on his face. Moving on. Carrie shows Charlotte and Miranda this new place, right? Two stories, four bedrooms, gorgeous. So Carrie tells them, regardless of whether I get my place or this place in particular, I am going to be giving up my apartment. And they're all like freaking out, right? And she says, you know, it hit me the other day. This would have been a, a perfect... I had a thought moment, right? She says, you know, it's time and it just feels right. Why am I holding on to this place when the person I love won't even step foot in there? And, you know, like, I think we're at a good place. I even met uh, the ex bitch, Kathy, and it was fine when I was in Virginia. We had a good time, right? And who happens to call? Ring, ring, ring a ling ding to Carrie's cell phone, Kathy, right in that moment, saying that she's coming to New York for something for fabric and wants to meet up for coffee. Back over in Brooklyn, she's still banging Georgia the jungle to the point where Miranda can't get into the bathroom because the only bathroom in their apartment is right in Naya's bedroom, right? So she has to go back to her place to get powdered up, freshened up, right? And finds Lily in the hallway with nothing but a t-shirt on, Jessica Simpson style. And she's like, oh, Okay, so Miranda calls Charlotte to be like, uh, did you know that Lily slept over? Charlotte's like, yeah, yeah, no problem. They were talking all night. And uh, Miranda's like, yeah, I don't know how much talking they did. I'm fairly certain they hooked up. Charlotte starts screaming in the gallery because she's at work, right? Refuses to believe it. It's not possible. They're like cousins. And so Miranda's like, well, I, she wasn't wearing a pants, so I don't really know what to tell you. And then I guess it seems like in this part of the season that maybe the budget started running out because Charlotte and Miranda go to meet up at Chipotle of all places to go talk about it. Um, so Charlotte is in her high register, right? Like, it's not possible. But Miranda's like, Lily had the look of somebody who just got caught. I don't know what to tell you, girl. And then they almost get into it because in the line while they're doing like corn, salsa, rice, whatever, um, Charlotte's like, well, Brady's not even Lily's type. And Miranda's like, uh, excuse me. <laughs> what does that mean? And Charlotte has to clean it up real quick. Like, no, no, no. Like, I love him. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> then Charlotte tells Miranda, listen, Lily tells me everything. So if anything happened, I'll find out. I'll let you know. Right. And then she starts talking to Harry about it back at home. Like, I think it's a big if, but if it's real, we're all going to know eventually like where this is going to go. Somebody, one of them is going to get hurt. It's going to be awkward for me and Miranda. Cause obviously I'm going to have to take Lily's side unless they get married. And Harry's like, well, she could do worse. Finally, we get to Herbert's event, which is at Charlotte and Harry's house, right? Brady shows up with Miranda. So now Miranda and Charlotte are like, okay, we got to figure out what's going on. Cause there's no way in hell that this kid is going to go to a comptroller event in the, on the Upper East Side from Brooklyn with his mama, unless they're fucking right. Carrie's really confused as to what they're talking about. So Charlotte has to be like, you know, we really didn't want to tell you this, Carrie, but we think that Brady and Lily are having sex. And Carrie goes, that's like hearing that my stuffed animals are having sex and just like disassociates and walks away. Like, I, I don't, 
I'm not. And as she's walking away, Miranda goes, imagine how we feel. Back to Naya and her fuck buddy. They're like looking at their phones post-coil, right? And she's on IG looking and sees that her ex just announced that he's expecting. Like a visibly heavily pregnant uh, child that they're having, right? So she has a little emotional upheaval. She kicks out George of the jungle. And like, I get where this is supposed to go, I guess. But like, why can't she have a little empowerment moment? Like, why did we go from she's like in this, you know, in between limbo space with her ex? Like, they're not sure whether or not they're going to wake up or break up. And she's like, oh, you know, um, meeting all these light skinned men and flirting with them, but having to turn them down. And then they divorce, and she's having her like me evening on Valentine's Day and making souffle and she's like doing battle by herself right and then we get to this point where she's finally getting to fuck town and now she's gotta like kick this guy out and she almost seemed mad at him like yeah whatever maybe i'll see you again (laughs) and it's like damn can't she just like be happy and also like it seemed like that guy had a nice upper body but we didn't even get to see his ass so what was all that for you know like if it's not gonna make sense as a storyline i want to see some cheeks as like a restitution or something. Anyway, so back to Herbert's uh, comptroller event. Carrie is like mingling around. She ends up kicking it with Anthony and they're talking about Giuseppe, right? And Anthony says, don't get used to him because I finally figured out why Giuseppe wants me. I think he must need a green card. Also out of nowhere, well, not really out of nowhere because he was like hinting at it before. Harry gets upset with Charlotte because she invited her boss, right? And he's like, I see where this is going. He's been keeping you late at night. He's been taking all your attention. He is attracted to you. And it's like, what are you mad at her for? But Charlotte's like, that's not the, that's not it at all. And actually, uh, all the girls in the, the gallery say that he's into blonde women anyway. So cut to like him flirting with Ch- with Carrie. This was so unnecessary. But like, he's whack. I'm talking about his third He's on his third divorce, which is like, who wants to hear that? And he's like, oh, have you been married before? Was your marriage as classically awful as my last three? And she's like, no, it was a wonderful marriage to a wonderful man that ended far too soon. So I guess what she said last week to Miranda about like, I'm wondering if big was a big mistake. I guess she changed her mind on that. So we got our answer. So then she ends up leaving. Time keeps moving by in this event and so Herbert is like waiting for Lisa to show up right so he calls her and here she is passed out like there was some kind of gas leak in the closet (laughs) and she's like I'll be there in a second like I'm just putting my shoes on right so he's pissed because he's about to make his speech right so Anthony then tells Giuseppe I know what you're up to I've seen all 35 seasons of 90 Day Fiance it's really obvious that you want a green card because why else would a gorgeous breathtaking young man like you be chasing after someone like me and this is what I don't like about this story. Like, I'm, we don't know Anthony to not be, it's kind of like Miranda. Like, we don't know just or Anthony to not be confident, boisterous, sexual. And then all of a sudden he's like, oh, a breathtaking young man like you. Like, what are you, 70? Like, what is going on here? But Giuseppe is like, no, dude, I have dual citizenship. My mother was born in Buffalo. So don't worry about that. 
Miranda and Charlotte are still trying to figure out what the hell's going on with Lily and Brady, right? So they do the weirdest shit I've ever seen, which is stand outside of Lily's room to talk strategy about like busting in there. What do we see? If we see them hooking up, what are we going to do? How are we going to react? What's the game plan after that? Why, why do you need to do this? Why would this be the thing? Why can't you ask them? You would rather walk in on your kid and your best friend's kid fucking than just asking them, are you guys dating? Let's really think about how writers, did we really consider how this came off? So they're like talking about like, what do we do? So they finally open the door. They don't see anybody, right? But what they don't know is that right behind the door are uh, Maria and Tony making out with their ankles, their pants waddled up behind their ankles. Like, it's wild. Brady and Lily come back into the apartment with a box of pizza and they're like, okay, great. Well, Charlotte anyway. So Miranda's like, you don't want to know anymore? And Charlotte's like, well, you know what? I had a lot of sex and my mom knew nothing about and it all worked out. And so Miranda's like, you know what? You're right. (laughs) Okay. So finally, Lisa runs in late, right? And Harry starts introducing Herbert to make his speech. But while they're doing that, Lisa and Herbert are waiting in the wings, like having this like hushed, passive aggressive conversation. You know, you, you I think it, Her, Herbert at one point said, you weren't late to your event, but you were late to mine. Huh? <laughs> like, okay. I don't, yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, I know you guys are married, but like technically in the list of priorities, her work has to come before yours, Herbert. Like, that's how people keep their jobs. Anyway, uh, they're having this conversation and Herbert calls her passive aggressive to which Lily says, not Lily, Lisa says, I'm not passive aggressive. I'm pregnant. And then this turns Herbert up into a little tailspin. We don't want to have Herbert number three. So he's like, oh, he's about to do a speech and he like can't do it. He's getting all flustered, right? So after that, Carrie and Kathy meet up for coffee, right? Carrie and Kathy meet up for coffee. And Kathy tells her, I just read your last book and it was really moving. Speaking of passive aggressive conversations, I realize that you like mine stuff from your personal life. So I would just ask that you not write about my boys. And Carrie's like, oh, okay. Yeah. And so Kathy is like, yeah, you know, like, even if you think it's funny or flattering or like you use a pseudonym, like, I don't really know if you thought about that. But you will be spending more time with them. And, you know, they'll give you a lot of material, especially that Wyatt, huh? And so Carrie's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I've also been thinking about them because I have found a bigger apartment. And, you know, there's going to be a par- uh, bedroom in case they ever want to come up for breaks or over a weekend. And Kathy's like, oh, that's wow. Wow. And then she says, Carrie, I don't want to overstep, but... I know your history with Aiden and you can't hurt him again. And Carrie looks at her and goes, I'm very well acquainted with our history. And so Kathy goes, good, because it's not just Aiden now, it's my boys. And Carrie just goes, I know. (laughs) The tension in this conversation was like actually really good acting. I'm like, damn, I'm really feeling like Kathy's being protective of her boys but also what do we think about this because the boys are like the youngest one is 14 right like the other ones are full-ass adults i mean 
do we need your mama to be doing this? I don't know. I guess it feels more like something that she could have told Aiden and Aiden could have told Carrie rather than like you having this coffee meeting in which you have to be like checking her or whatever. So Carrie shows Aiden the new place. It's in Gramercy. They even got the key. And if y'all don't know, there's this like gorgeous Gramercy Park is the, is the uh, neighborhood. Well, Gramercy is the neighborhood, but there's a park that you have to like be a resident to get the key to get into. And like, so it's got these like all these wrought iron gates around it. And it's very pretty. Like it's a small little park. You can't do much there, but like walk the path, but you know, it's just like very chic and elitist. And so I like it. So while they're looking around, uh, Carrie tells Aiden, just so you know, I'm going to be giving up my place. And he's like, Oh, you don't have to do that. And I'm trying to figure out like, I know this is fake, but like, what are the financials here? Is Carrie buying this place? Are Aiden and Carrie buying this place? What's, what's the rub here? But anyway, he's like, you know, I just want to make sure that if you're going to sell your apartment that like you are doing it because you want to. And Carrie says, but I want you to be happy. And he's like, I am. But like, it's got to be your decision because I know how attached you are to that apartment. And she's like, yeah, but maybe I'm too attached. So Aiden asks her, are you sure? And Carrie goes, um, Kathy told me that I can never hurt you again. I wasn't planning on telling you that, but like, what do you think? And he's like, excuse me. Like he gets all upset. He's like, I would never talk to her boyfriend about stuff like that. She's like, no, no, no. Like, for real, what do you think about that? And Aiden says, I think that this is now. We're in a different time and place. Are you going to hurt me? Of course you are. I'm going to hurt you. But like, we deserve to be happy. And Carrie's like, you know, I wanted that too. I thought that too. And I just want to be with you. And I want everything that goes with that. Even if I'm get, getting turned down for FaceTimes all of my life. And it's like, girl, you got to let that go. He's 14. You just met him. <laughs> just met him girl get over it so then carrie goes back to her place and we see her gen z jewelry neighbor who we thought was renting turns out she's just subleasing that apartment so what a perfect kismet the shared moment where she's excuse me she's complaining about like oh my god i uh am getting kicked out my the people i'm subleasing from want their apartment back i can you imagine wanting to move out of here like I can't imagine here this is a perfect apartment and Carrie's like no I can't imagine I can and then she walks up those stairs and she calls Seema to tell her I want the apartment and just like that I went up the stairs of my old apartment without looking back and then she did and then that was like actually a pretty good moment where I'm like oh my god every time she goes up the stairs she always like literally would look back at the street and she didn't do this time Oh, y'all ate that that was good that was layered all right you guys thank you so much for listening <laughs> thank me for speaking love you